Hey, the Braves fans, welcome to another edition of State of the Braves. I'm your host, George McNair. Really great to be back with you guys once again as the uh, season is getting ever closer to winding down. Uh, we are in the middle of September at this point, and the Braves have, I think, about 19 games remaining on the schedule. Uh, it has been a little bit of an up and down um, time of it lately. The Braves lost four out of five games on um, uh, the last few games of their road trip. Uh, to the Mariners and Giants after winning the first two. So they end up going, um, I think, four and four on that trip overall. Um, so it was, you know, started good and it ended kind of poorly for them. It, I'm sure, felt like a very long road trip for the guys. Um, you know, those Western road trips are always tough, especially late in the season anyways. Um, and, you know, having to play a very good Mariners team certainly was challenging. You had a few of those games that really got away from the Braves and were um, kind of <laughs> uh, kind of heartbreaking in some ways, for sure. Uh, you look back, you hope you're not looking back at a couple of those games and think about what could have been in terms of the division. Uh, but nonetheless, the Braves have returned um, to Atlanta and uh, win 7-2 uh, last night against the Phillies, uh, and they find themselves only a game back uh, from the Mets right now. So uh, the Mets have not been playing great baseball either, to say the least. And and uh, the Mets have had uh, some easier opponents and have still not been able uh, to make any kind of run themselves. So it seems like uh, both the Braves and the Mets are kind of stalling out a little bit here towards the end of the season. I'm hoping that uh, for the Braves, it is just a little bit of a hiccup and that they really start playing their best baseball uh, in these last about three weeks of the season. It's going to be a pretty big challenge uh, tonight as uh, Jake Odorizzi is going to be going against Aaron Nola. That is not a super favorable matchup pitching-wise for the Braves. Um, but, you know, weird things can happen. Uh, I'm really hoping for a good start from Odorizzi. He hasn't given the Braves many of those since he came over from the Astros, so maybe it is his turn uh, to do that. Uh, the Braves did get a huge performance last night uh, from William Contreras. He had three. Uh, the Braves didn't have all that many hits leading up to the eighth inning, which was a big inning for them. But William Contreras had three hits last night, including a home run on a 3-0 uh, count where he got a green light. He had another late two-out uh, RBI single as well. So he looked really good. It's, it's great to see him in the lineup, number one. Uh, but I really like Contreras when he hits a home run. It's a, it's a pretty thing to watch. And uh, he certainly crushed one last night. Like I said, the Braves had a great eighth inning, uh, entering that that inning down uh, down two to one, not really doing much of anything other than Contreras' home run. Uh, up to that point, Ronald Acuna, uh, who had not hit a home run in about um, half a month, uh, goes the op goes the opposite way, crushes a ball into the chop house, uh, puts the Braves up three to two. And they weren't done yet uh, as they put together a really nice inning uh, against uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, who's one of the Phillies' better relievers, uh, got to him. He definitely didn't have his best stuff. Uh, and uh, Braves ended up winning 7-2. to two. He had a couple other big hits. Uh, Michael Harris, uh, RBI single in that inning as well. Uh, but just a good, uh, a good win. And, you know, I was particularly because of the unfavorable pitching matchup that's going to happen tonight. I was uh, really thinking that this was, you know, you don't use the term must win, but a very good win for the Braves to set the tone for the series. You feel like if you win tonight, you kind of steal one from the Phillies and then you see what happens in this 
third and final game uh, tomorrow. Uh, you know, the the only thing pitching-wise I took away from this game was kind of a weird game for Max Freed. Uh, he's gotten into a little bit of a uh, situation of giving up too many home runs. He typically doesn't give up home runs at all. And uh, the last two games, he's given up two home runs apiece. Uh, he gave up two solo home runs last night. He was able to get out of a couple other jams. But it was kind of a frustrating night for him. He uh, for some reason, the plate umpire seemed to be squeezing him a little bit. Didn't get many calls. You, you tend to think that a guy of Max Fried's stature is going to get those calls, but he wasn't last night. Uh, you know, he kept his cool enough. It wasn't like he's he was barking at the umpire or anything like that. But you could clearly see that he he expected to get some calls that he did not get. Uh, so he just had to grind his way through last night's start. He was able to do that. He didn't get the win, but uh, he certainly. Uh, he got through six and put the Braves in position to win the game, and they did. Uh, the other big thing about last night was uh, Ozzie Albies. Ozzie Albies finally returns after about three months off, um, well, three months out with that broken foot. Uh, and, you know, you think about Ozzie, Ozzie and his impact on the team. He had not been playing the greatest uh, when he went down, quite honestly. And so to get him back, what Ozzy does, he plays a really good defensive second base, uh, and you know he's able to give you, um, you know, some instant um, firepower offensively. He's not the most consistent offensive player, uh, but when he's going well, uh, he is very good. Uh, he started last night at second base and was hitting eighth in the lineup, which is not typically where he will hit. Um, usually he's going to hit probably fifth or sixth, I would guess, sometimes second if he's going well. Uh, but nonetheless, just getting him back in uh, in that lineup was really cool to see. He did make a couple of nice defensive plays, uh, and uh, he went one for four. That one hit was in that, um, uh, that six-run eighth inning. He had a bloop double uh, down the left field line, got two RBIs out of it. So it wasn't like he had, you know, he, he didn't hit many or maybe any line drives. I don't know if he looked all that great offensively last night. But, again, just getting him back in the lineup, uh, getting him in the dugout, I think his biggest impact to this team is just his presence, um, his presence in the clubhouse, in the dugout. Uh, and I really think you see it with Acuna. I think Acuna plays better with Ozzy there. You know, th these two are best friends. They're good buddies. Um, Ozzy brings an energy, I think, that Ronald really feeds off of. Uh, you know, you can't tie a direct connection to Ronald's home run last night. But I just think um, he's going to probably loosen up a little bit and play a little better. It doesn't mean that his knee is instantly going to start feeling better or anything like that. But I think Ozzy does help Ronald uh, a lot. Um, and probably generally everybody. Everybody says that Ozzy is one of the best teammates you could ever have. And so, again, having him back is, is really good. You do question, you know, what's the role of Vaughn Grissom going to be? Uh, going forward, you know, he started so great. He has definitely cooled down a lot uh, since his uh, first, you know, week or two in the bigs. Uh, nonetheless, he's still given them a lot of energy and uh, and spark in that lineup as well. Uh, so, you know, you wonder what's going to happen to him. I don't think he's just going to be benched. Um, he's certainly not going to go back to the minor leagues. Uh, but does he get any kind of consistent playing time. I think it remains to be seen, and I honestly don't think that Snicker knows what's going to happen with Vaughn Grissom. There have been plenty of reports that he's practicing out in left field. Uh, now, does that mean he's definitely going to play left field? No, not necessarily. 
you feel like he is certainly athletic enough to do it. Um, you know, if, you know, Brace fans, we've seen uh, Ryan Klusko play left field. We've seen, um, you know, uh, a lot of other guys out there that were a lot less uh, athletic than Vaughn Grissom. So he certainly can do it. Do you suddenly throw him out there in the middle of a, uh, a pennant race? I don't know. Uh, but you do want to get him in the lineup. I think he's important to this team, and I think he's one of those guys that even if he's struggling for a few games, he's also a guy that has a tremendous ability offensively to impact the game, uh, and so you need, him, you need him out there. So you might see him at DH occasionally. I don't think that Ozzy's going to play every game at second as he's getting back into the swing of things, so you'll probably see him there some. Uh, but, you know, I would like to see him in left field some and see what he can do. Uh, so that will be something on my mind, and I will be looking for. We'll see if he's in the lineup tonight. All right, the next thing I want to talk about a little bit, Braves fans, is the struggles of Matt Olson and Austin Riley. These uh, these guys uh, have noticeably been uh, struggling over the last um, few weeks. I mean, at least since um, uh, September began, and really probably before that. Uh, these long skids and, you know, it's really highlighted even more because they hit back to back in the lineup. So lately, you know, the top of the order is supposed to be the best part of the lineup and it just hasn't been for the Braves as of late. So just to back that up, uh, the September stats for Olsen and Riley. Olsen is hitting, uh, he is four for 46 in September. That is an 087 batting average. He's got one home run and four RBIs. That one home run was, um, I think, in his first game back at Oakland. And ever since then, he's done basically nothing in uh, offensively in September. Austin Riley is just a little better. at uh, He's nine for 49 uh, for the month of September. That is a 184 batting average. He does have four home runs, so he's made some of those hits matter. But he still also only has five RBIs as well. So just not a lot of productivity from these guys. Guys that the Braves really need and rely on. Of course, Riley has been darn good all season. You know, he's always been a little bit of an up-and-down guy. And when he's going good, he's he's one of the best hitters in the world. Uh, unfortunately, it's kind of like since he signed that, that big uh, contract extension, I don't know if he put pressure on himself to perform. Uh, you know, maybe he did. And uh, since then, he just hasn't been quite the same guy. Because remember, at that time, people were talking about him as legitimate, maybe second to Paul Goldschmidt in the MVP race. They're not talking about that anymore because, unfortunately, Riley has just not hit very well since then. Um, but, again, we know that he can he can turn it on. Um, and, man, I really hope he does over these last three weeks of the season. If him and Olsen turn this thing around and get hot at the right time, uh, the Braves could walk into the playoffs um, with that um, you know division in their hands. It is kind of amazing, actually. If you, if you look at the Braves and what they've done in September, they haven't been particularly uh, hot in September, though they haven't been bad either. Uh, remember, they started uh, actually uh, end of August on a nice little um, – winning streak and continued it into the first few days of September. Um, the Braves are actually averaging over five runs a game in September with these two guys struggling mightily. So that's kind of impressive. We know that the Braves have a great offensive depth to their um, to their lineup, and, and this is just proof positive of that. But again, everything gets a lot easier when Austin Riley and Matt Olson are driving in runs, hitting home runs, 
uh, being much more consistent than they have been. I think when you look at those, you know, the, the, the five runs a game thing for September, you really got to give a ton of credit, particularly to Michael Harris, uh, who has just been out of his mind. Uh, he only had one hit last night, but he did drive in a run. Um, and, you know, he's he's had some amazing performances lately. Uh, really has been even better over the second half of uh, this season than he was uh, when he first came up. I uh, can't say anything bad, honestly, about Michael Harris. I'll tell you just really briefly, I, I came across an article. Uh, it was about the Mets and their dilemma. Brandon Nemo, their, their center fielder, is a free agent. And it was just talking about um, the center field market uh, for the major leagues. And it's basically Aaron Judge, who's only a part-time center fielder. Of course, he's a tremendous offensive player, but not a pure center fielder. And then the, the next guy is, is the guy that will be a free agent for the Mets, Brendan Nemo. And you think about that, and then there's really no one else in the majors that is any kind of quality center field starter available on the free agent market. The Braves have Michael Harris for, <laughs> for a decade. And, I mean, how fortunate – are we that that guy at that level is going to be in center field for the long term for the Braves? It's just um, so good, um, absolutely good for the Braves. So yeah, a lot of credit goes to him. I'll also throw out, uh, throw a shout out to uh, you know Robbie Grossman. Robbie Grossman has been a little up and down since coming over from the Tigers, but he was having a really down season for them. And since he's been with the Braves, he has been a lot better. And particularly, he's gone on a really nice run here over the last week or so, uh, having a big home run. If you'll remember, unfortunately, the Braves lost that game against the Mariners, but that big go-ahead home run, he had a three-game, uh, a three-hit game uh, the other day. So Grossman has been pretty, pretty good. And probably the only reason why you're not seeing uh, immediately uh, seeing Grissom go out in the left field. Uh, but, you know, back to Riley and Olsen. I'm, I'm less worried about Riley just because historically he's been a little bit more of an up-and-down hitter. He goes through, you know, lulls maybe for two or three, four weeks, and then will explode back out of that. Um, you know, Olsen is, is less known to us Braves fans. I mean, this is obviously his first season as a Brave. You know, we've seen him go through uh, some periods of struggle. We've seen him have some real hot periods as well. So maybe this is also the type of player Matt Olson is. You know, the question that I have is just honestly, is Olson a five or six war player or is he a three to four war player? I mean, who is Matt Olson long term? If you look at his career thus far, and he's still a pretty young guy, but, you know, there's a few years you can go off of. Um, 2019 and 2021, those two seasons, he's a five to six war player in both of those seasons. But in 2018, 2020, and now 2022, the, our current season, he's a three to four war player. Uh, he's only at two and a half wins above replacement this season, which is definitely um, uh, not what the Braves, I think, were expecting from him. Is that a terrible player? No. Uh, they say, you know, two wins above replacement, two to three wins is basically your, your average starter where you're getting some quality out of them, but it's nothing special. You get to five wins above replacement. That's kind of your all-star player. So two and a half war. It's just, um, you know, not what you want from Matt Olson. Definitely a down year. I'm sure he would tell you he's having a down year, but you look at his stats across the board this season. He's currently batting, uh, 237. 
He has a 323 on base percentage. He has a, a 463 slugging, which is not terrible. But again, when you are not getting on base as much, when you're not at least, you know, getting those those singles or, you know, you're getting a one for four day instead of 0 for four, that slugging percentage is going to go down. Uh, so, you know, he yeah, he has 28 home runs this year. He has 41 doubles. He certainly is, you know, the power guy that we knew he was. He just has not shown the consistency that really he needs. You know, the one thing that I was a little concerned about when the Braves uh, obviously went away from Freddie Freeman and went to Matt Olson was he had had some down years. I mean, his 2020 season, which granted was only 60 games, but he hit below 200 in that season, you know, and he had a tremendous year last year uh, in 2021. But you just being is, you know, he, he is – my point is he had not shown the consistency over his career. And so I do wonder year to year what Matt Olson is going to be. Is this guy going to be as inconsistent as we've as we've seen this year? And I sure hope not. I hope that he can find more consistency in his game over the long term. The elephant in the room for me is I'm just trying to resist comparing uh, his season to Freddie Freeman's. It's hard to do that because obviously Anthopolis ultimately made the decision to go with Matt Olson. And I don't know that the decision was as simple as who's going to have a better 2022 season. You know, I think it was obviously more of a long-term play and a lot of things went into that and I'm not going to rehash those, but uh, in the short term, certainly Freddie Freeman is having a better season uh, and it's really not even close. Uh, Freeman is probably going to get a top five MVP, uh, you know, vote this this year he's over five uh wins above replacement he's basically tied with austin riley right now uh in the national league in war uh so it's in the short term and you know that's if you go back what i had said is i think freddie was going to be a better short-term uh player uh you know the, the next three years he's probably going to be the better player than matt olson he's probably the most consistent player in all of baseball so he's going to be consistently good uh, unless age gets to him. And, uh, you know, you're just hoping that Olsen can hit some hot streaks, can have some of those, uh, you know, up years and, and has a six or seven win, uh, war season, which Freddie might not have those left in him anymore. But, um, you know, he might win a batting title this year. Matt Olsen is never going to win a batting title. They're totally different hitters in that regard. Uh, so we don't need Matt Olsen to be Freddie Freeman, but we do need him to be a better version of Matt Olson. So hopefully he can, he can find that. Uh, he's clearly incredibly frustrated at the plate right now. You see him slamming his helmet down. He's swinging really early in the count, popping the ball up a ton. Uh, it's like, it's either a pop-up or a strikeout right now. So even his outs are bad outs. So hopefully he can, he can turn that around. And again, the timing would be awesome if him and Riley turned it around at the same time, because uh, I don't think anybody's beating the Braves uh, if that's happening. All right, the next thing I want to get to, uh, sorry, this episode is a little bit of a downer, but I really want to address some of the things that have been happening with the Braves lately. And this other one is Kenley Jansen. So, you know, if you're a Braves fan, you have probably been as frustrated as I have been lately with the performance of Kenley Jansen. He has not been very good, and he hasn't been very good for quite a while. His August and September uh, generally have been bad. He has about a five ERA uh, during that time period. Now he only has three blown saves during that time period, which might surprise you. Uh, but some of, some of those, um, saves that, you know, he comes in, he's got three runs and he ends the game and the Braves only win by one run because he's giving up, uh, giving up some runs. Uh, 
um, you know, other um, couple other stints. Uh, he came in at a tie game, gave up a run, that sort of thing. So anyways, he has not been very good and he just doesn't even pass the eye test, right? He comes in, he's, he's obviously struggling to throw strikes and the strikes that he does throw are right down the middle. Um, it makes your heart skip a beat when he throw, when he throws it right down the middle uh, to, to certain guys. Uh, the, the worst game was, of course, against the Mariners where he gave up, gave up two home runs, including a walk-off to lose the game. And you just get to a point uh, where, uh, you know, is should he be sitting? And I think a lot of Braves fans have, are beyond that point. They think he probably should have, uh, you know, been demoted to some other role in the bullpen a while ago. You know, Snicker, the thing with Snicker that you can love and you can hate is how um, how loyal he is. Snicker is loyal to a fault. It's it's what makes him loved by his players. He's going to back them. He's going to give them more chance, uh, you know, to, to come out of struggles and that sort of thing. Uh, I think you can appreciate that in a manager. Um, but, again, it can come back to bite you, too, if you just are loyal beyond uh, reason. And, uh, you know, I think we might be to that point. Uh, it was really interesting in last night's game. Braves coming off an off day. Um, Jansen wasn't even in the bullpen. He w- you, you could see him in the dugout uh, as the as Acuna hit the go-ahead home run, puts the Braves up three to two. Who's warming up? But Iglesias. Uh, now, what to make of this? I mean, obviously, there's, there's multiple things that, you know, maybe Jansen was just already being given the day off regardless um or you know maybe maybe not maybe Iglesias is going to get some get some save opportunities I would like that to happen because I think Iglesias is probably a top five or top ten closer in the game right now and he's not being used as a closer Kenley Jansen is being used as a closer and probably his best days are behind him uh that's that does not mean he can't be a useful bullpen piece for you moving forward and have a big role in the Braves winning another World Series. But he's got to get things figured out. And I think when, you know, when the game is, it's a one-run game in the ninth, this is not the time to to see Jansen figure out his mechanics or that sort of thing. You know, the other thing to keep in mind is Iglesias is in Atlanta long-term. He is signed through, I think, the next three years. Jansen, this is very, very likely his only year in Atlanta. I don't think he'll be back. Uh, part of that is, you know, I'm going to talk about the new rule changes coming to the bigs uh, next year too, but he's going to be hurt by this pitch clock rule change. Uh, he's one of the slowest to the plate of everybody in the majors. Uh, so, you know, it's just Jansen doesn't have much room for error already because of the style of pitcher he is. Um, he, he'll put guys on. Uh, he's super slow to the plate, which means it's almost a guaranteed steal. So anytime he puts somebody on, they're getting to second base. Now, if you're a dominant pitcher otherwise uh, and no one can get a hit off you, that doesn't matter. But he hasn't obviously been dominant. So it's really hard for him to get through innings clean. So my take is it's time to go to Iglesias. Uh, maybe you go to mentor even in some safe situations if you have some lefties coming up. You know, you kind of play it in that regard. Uh, but, you know, I think Kenley needs to figure it out before he can be put in these really, really high leverage situations again. All right, so we'll see what Snicker does with that as we move into these next few games. We might get a clue into that. All right, so um, the other thing I want to mention uh, a little bit is the Braves 
Pitching staff, uh, Freed and Strider are very clearly the leaders of this staff at this point. Strider, you probably wouldn't have imagined at the very beginning of the year, would be considered the Braves' number two pitcher, but it's just true. I mean, he's been that good. Um, and, you know, I mentioned this last time, last episode, but Wright, Kyle Wright and Charlie Morton, who's going to step up and be that clear number three guy? I think over the last two starts, they still haven't distinguished themselves. Morton has just kind of been okay. Uh, you know, it's like he'll get through six innings, but he might give up four runs. Uh, while, while Kyle Wright had a really bad start in Oakland, he came back. He still looked shaky against the Giants but uh, was able to kind of figure it out a little bit his last two or three innings. It looked like he figured it out, was a much better pitcher um, than he had been in the last several times out. And so I'm hoping that is telling us something there. We're going to, again, have to see how he comes out next next game. But you just wonder with both of these guys, is fatigue starting to set in a little bit? Uh, they, they have a lot of misses, like arm side misses, which can kind of hint towards fatigue. Uh, so we'll see. I hope not. The Braves are going to need at least one of those guys to be really good uh, if they hope to win the World Series and, uh, you know, even just to win the uh, the division. Uh, they need good starts from here on out. So hopefully those guys can, can put it together. It's just going to continue to be something we'll have to watch. Now, in terms of their fifth starter, Odorizzi, again, he's going out tonight against Aaron Nola. That gives me some worries for sure. Um, but he just literally, I mean, he has not been good. Um, He's had maybe one okay start for the Braves since coming over from the Astros. Big start tonight versus Nola. Look, if he can give us five innings and two runs, I think everybody would be happy with that. That's that's the kind of performance you want from a fifth starter. You know, he's not going to be perfect, but keep you in the game. He's not going to go deep, but keep you in the game. And he just hasn't really done that. He hasn't blown up too badly. Um you know, it's not like he's coming in and barely able to get through two innings and he gives up six runs, but it's more like four innings and he'll give up three or four runs. And you, so you, you are typically behind when he leaves the game and, you know, you're just not going to win many of those games. I've heard the argument from a few uh, commentators, you know, that he's a perfectly fine fifth starter. Uh, people are expecting too much from Odorizzi. He is a fifth starter and he's kind of doing the job they need to do. You know, I have some issue with that. Number one, I don't think he's going deep enough into games to really be considered a valuable fifth starter. Um, you know, Odorizzi has been that kind of guy in his career, a reliable guy that can eat some innings, but he just he hasn't been that for the Braves. You just wonder, is he still that, right? Is he still a, um, a reasonable guy to send out every five games? Uh, especially in this situation with the Braves where every game matters. If you want to win the division, shouldn't you be sending out guys that are going to give you a better chance to win? I do think the guys, I do think the Braves have those guys, whether it's Kyle Muller or Bryce Elder. These guys are no guarantees either, right? You could send them out and they could blow up and have a really bad game. But I think they, they have a higher ceiling as well. I think you're more likely to get some decent starts from either of those guys. You know, you send Muller out, he might blow up in one game, but then he might also give you six runs in one inning or, or one run um, allowed in six innings over his next start. So he just has a little more, um, I mean, Elder has that too, but I think Muller is the guy that I would go with um, if given the chance over Odorizzi. 
You also wonder what Odorizzi's role is this postseason. I mean, is he going to be your long relief guy? He, he just He's not inspiring in any way to give you that kind of – he just doesn't have the stuff. You watch him out there, he's basically throwing 80% fastball and, you know, not a lot of movement. You just, you're just holding your breath that nothing bad happens when he goes out there. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But, you know, the other guy, again, that I wonder about is Mike Soroka. I'm not holding my breath that Mike Soroka is going to uh, come in for the Braves this year. But I do wonder uh, if, you know, the Braves will get to a point where he looks good enough and they're like, well, why do we have to lose? Well, let's put him out there for a start and see what happens. Something to, something to look for. All right, the last thing I want to really talk about in this episode, I just want to mention a few of my thoughts on the rule changes that are coming to baseball. Generally speaking, I'm not a fan of these rule changes. I'll just tell you that right now. Um, the rules, let me go through them really quickly. Number one is the banning of the shift. Uh, the next is limiting pickoffs. Uh, the next one is uh, a, pitch a pitch clock, which has been uh, utilized in the minors already. Um, uh, they also want to increase the size of the bases, which is kind of a weird one as well so let's go through these the first one is the banning of the shift they're doing this through several different rules uh, that are very specific i'm not going to get into all of them um you know one of them is that uh, infielders have to be on the dirt uh when the pitch is thrown another one is two guys have to be on either side of second base before the pitch is thrown but there's several other things too and then if uh players don't abide by that um umpires can from their discretion just issue a, a ball which is weird um so anyways i've gone back and forth over the years with this you know a lot of uh rumors i mean really over probably the last four or five years about banning the shift have been out there i used to be really against it i am generally annoyed that major league baseball players today uh don't take more advantage of the shift uh, either poking the ball the other way or bunting it the other way. Not that you want to do that all the time, but there's certain situations where it makes sense and they just don't try it. One reason for that, I think, is major league players don't practice bunting anymore. They're just not good at it. Um, and, you know, with, I mean, I can't blame guys for not wanting to try to bunt 102 miles an hour coming in on your thumbs. That is more of a thing today where it used to be, you know, if Tom Glavin's throwing you a 91 mile, mile an hour fastball, it's a lot easier to bunt that. So, Okay, yeah, that is realistic. But nonetheless, it is kind of frustrating that um, players aren't able uh, to beat the shift more. That being said, I've come around to, I, I'm generally okay with the idea of doing away with the shift. I just don't think you need as many rules as what baseball has done here. I think if you simply made the one rule of players have to be on the dirt um, at all times, you wouldn't see a lot of teams do three guys on one side or the other. It would be so, you know, because you can't put that second baseman in short left field anymore. It, it takes away some of the advantage to shifting anyways. They might still do it, but then I think it's it's less of an advantage to do it anyways, and you'd still see a lot more hits from left lefties um, and that sort of thing. So I just think they're going a little overboard with how they're implementing it. Um, again, this one is, is one and maybe it gets tweaked over time. I'm, I'm less worried about this one, but we're going to have to see how this one plays out. Limiting the pickoffs is probably my least favorite rule. Um, probably the dumbest rule out there of these changes. Uh, basically a pitcher can only throw over two times in any at bat. 
you can see how um, how runners are going to take tremendous advantage of this. It's going to create a lot more stolen bases, which I think is one of the points. It's also going to limit throwovers, which is all of these rule changes are supposed to increase speed of play, which I think Major League Baseball is just getting too worked up about. But that being said, I don't like rules that try to manipulate player behavior. It's like teams are are not, are choosing not to run as much. Uh, so let's you know let's do something to make them run, and th that's just dumb to me. I, you know, a pitcher is part of the game. They they need to be able to throw over at times. Are there times when it's unnecessary and it takes another fifteen or thirty seconds in a bat because they're throwing over too much? Yeah, of course it does. But you know what? It's baseball. It's part of the game, and let the fans boo when they do it and move on. It's it's not a big deal, and I just think this one has. You know, there's a chance that you're going to see some guys with, you know, 75 stolen bases next year just because um, pitchers are not adjusting to this very strange rule and, and runners just have basically a, a, a free pass to second base. I just don't like that. The pitch clock, generally, um, I don't mind the idea behind it. I do think this is where you can get um, pace of play. Um, you know, you can probably solve that issue most just through this. Uh, but I don't like how they're going to be so strict on it. This is another one where if a pitcher is taking too long, an umpire can can just issue a, a ball um, during the at-bat. I think what you could do with this is if you just make this a policy in the minor leagues, uh, every pitcher is going to be basically trained in this kind of uh, this kind of pace. And so by the time they get to the majors, it's just going to be a part of what they do anyways. You're already kind of seeing that because it's been in the minors for a while. Um, and, you know, I, do you have a few guys who take too long? Yes. Kenley Jansen, I mentioned him already. He's one of the slowest in the majors. You, you do have those guys. They're typically the older guys. I think it's eventually going to work itself out as those guys retire anyway. So that's what I would do. I would keep it in the minors and just let it be. Um, but unfortunately I think they're going to do this in the majors as well. Now, maybe, maybe pitchers are able to adjust to it over time and it just doesn't become an issue anymore. Um, almost one of those things that you don't even recognize. I hope that's the case, but we're going to have to see. All right. Increasing the size of the bases. I don't like this one either. I think it gives the runner too much of an advantage. So you're already limiting pickoffs. Now, you know, that guy stealing second is going to get to the base a fraction of a second quicker. I mean, you can, if you watch any game, you see how many bang-bang plays there are, you know, whether it's, um, you know, a ground ball in the hole at short and throwing across and it's it's a bang-bang play at first or, you know, a guy stealing second. All of those plays are going to get slightly adjusted, slightly changed uh, for the runner, right? Um, and I just... I just don't understand why uh, why this is a thing. But again, maybe this one is one. I, this one is not one that I'm like super upset about. Again, it's mostly limiting the pickoffs that annoy me. You know, but generally, and maybe I'm just too old school about things. I just don't like rule changes that much, anyways. You're you're changing the nature of the game, uh, and this commissioner. I'm not a huge Rob Manfred fan to begin with, but he has changed the game so much already. I mean, you know, expanded playoffs, the runner on second base and in extra innings, uh, the universal DH, 
the the balance schedule that's coming to baseball next year. Um, you know, some of them I'm okay with, but when you throw all of these changes uh, in in the matter of two years, you are just really messing with the game in a lot of different ways. And it's almost like I just wonder sometimes: Does this commissioner actually like baseball? It's like the point of him, the his point is like to limit as much baseball as possible. If you go to a baseball game, most people are not all that concerned with pace of play. I mean, it is baseball. The nature of it is kind of a relaxed game that moves at a different pace. And you know, it's not football. It's it's not basketball. And most baseball fans don't want it to be that. I'm not, you know. Uh, I'm not against a, a little quicker pace of play, but man, when you try to force things, things get weird. And uh, I hope that doesn't, that doesn't happen with these changes. So we'll, you know, it, it will be interesting. Next year will be interesting. I think pitchers particularly going to have a real hard time with these changes and uh, we'll, we'll have to see what, what happens, but I think you're going to see uh, a lot more offense and uh, a lot of complaining, quite honestly, of, of some of these changes. All right, well, uh, the Braves have, obviously, every game at this point is really important. Uh, they have uh, not many more games at home. They have this home stand, and then I think one other to end the season. Uh, I'm hoping that they can maybe go 4-1 and one over, these over these last five games of this home stand. They have two against the Phillies and three against the Nationals. Like I said, tonight's game is probably the toughest of these games with the pitching matchup going. So it would be awesome if the Braves could steal this game somehow. Uh, they have tagged Aaron Nola at times, but then he's also had games where he's just totally shut them down. So he's a tough matchup for sure. At the same time, the Mets have two uh, against the Pirates and then three against the Brewers. Um, Brewers could be a tough matchup. They haven't played super great, but they are fighting for that last wildcard spot. So I think the Mets are going to you know, have their hands full with the Brewers there. So I do think there's a chance that after this homestand, the Braves could find themselves tied or maybe even game up on the Mets. Uh, that would obviously be really good news. Um, I, I still think it's going to be a slugfest down to the wire. Uh, it would be awesome if uh, this three-game set against the Mets uh, that's going to happen at the end of the month, uh, if maybe the Braves go in tied and it's just a showdown, that would be really fun. So, all right, Braves fans, well, I think it's going to be a, a great few games. It's going to be really interesting to see tonight. Again, hopefully Ordorizzi can uh, change his fortunes and pitch a good one and can shut me up about bringing in Muller or somebody else. So, uh, y'all have a great one. Enjoy these games coming up, and I'll talk to you soon.